Hey man, do you think you could lend me a bit of cash? Twelve for two bottles of red wine, ten for blends of hash. You could buy some K and we could make it through the night. Something in my head has made me scared of what's inside. I've had an awful day, I'm feeling sorry for myself. Don't tell me to stop, I didn't come to you for help. Just to get alone, to buy myself some wine and beer. Fill this hole of mine and let my troubles disappear. Belle bouteille, viens ici que je te caresse, tu me plais, j'ai un peu de monnaie, donc allons à la caisse, prends ma main, on va se balader, dépêche-toi, ça presse, laisse-moi reposer mes lèvres, faut se saouler en express, j'ai un boulet qui me presse, laisse-moi peser mes peines, on peut appeler tes potes, m'aurait dit pas une ken, plus de cœur entre mes codes, comprends-tu petit envers, tout le rouge que tu contiens, laisse le couler dans mes veines. Hello lovely people, and welcome to another episode of Quintessentially Queer. I am your host, George Rallis, once again, together, forever. And we have the lovely Renee with us today. Hey, girl, hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. I'm really warm. Back oh, in girl, it's like fucking December here in Amsterdam. <laughs> Seriously, though. So before we get into the interview with Renee, let us get a little bit personal first. Before we talk about her art. So, we've all, been, we've, all, we've all been alone, we've all been lonely, we've all been with ourselves one way or another, in front of the mirror, questioning how a singular person, being you, is in this situation right now. In one moment, you go from inside to outside and just look. You're taking yourself outside of yourself, and in this way, it makes you think that this duplicity, right, is a wave which takes with it the current situation. It hits on random moments in the day. Heidegger claims that the discovery of beings is grounded within the disclosedness of the world at large and their Dasein. Dasein in this way, being the act of being thrown into the world of existing as a continuum. We are not bees, we are beings. The ING makes all the difference as we are transient beings that actually function only within the back and forth, or withdrawal, if you may, between discourse and narrative, self and other. If you want to get a little bit more into the discourse and the narrative situation, then listen to my previous podcast with Polina, actually, which is kind of like a prelude to this theoretical thing. So, the self and the other, A and B, they got in a fight last episode. They both exist simultaneously. The fact that the planet is dying right now is a reality, right? It's not just a narrative, bitch. The fact that we don't feel it to that extent in our everyday lives is also a reality. Dasein discovers beings that are, not, that are lost within their own narrative when they're faced with its own multiplicity. All the choices which have been made, and it's when we're faced with them, actually, and the alternatives, is when things become subjective. Factuality, actually, is nothing but subjective. However, it also covers them over by being aware of its own possibilities. With this factuality, I mean. Hence, Dasein is equally in the truth and the untruth. It is what it is, but then it's also everything else, you know? 
It is open to beings and to its own being possibility, yet we relinquish this openness in exchange for the security of whatever we say is truth. It lets truth slip into the same oblivion as being and finds its truths as so many beings have done before us. The common consensus becomes eternal truths. One plus one equals two. Love is good. Violence is bad. Mustard is gross. Heidegger is boring. Having our design presupposed in such essential truths of faith, science, or life, actually, is a kind of opening or openness that's done only by virtue in a way that something can and does show itself as that through a common agreement and in this way making it be able to be seen, actually, as a transient experience. This opening, however, resists agreement and resists depiction or full enclosure to our own understanding. If we made complete sense of the world around us, then we would not be human, nor would we have any need for mental stimuli anymore. Even if to me mustard is gross, even if the attempt to speak of it right now becomes a complicated, absurd concomitance of complicated words and modern isms that can only be performed rather than applied. So in this way, right, what is a true thing? We say, for example, it's a true joy to hate on Trump in an academic setting. I mean that it is purely and actually a joy as I feel it. You can feel it and see it. And now I stated, so we both reach the common sensation, I guess, that we're all joyous in hating Trump. The truth, actually, is the actuality of that sensation. But how can you right now know what I am feeling, even if we can both agree on the previous statement and we also have both experienced joy at least once in our lives, you know? As I said before, a statement is true if what it means and says is in accordance with the matter about which the statement is made for. Now, it's not the matter that is in accord, but actually the proposition and gesture to agreement. This can be taken to mean truth is the correspondence of the matter to knowledge. However, it can also be taken as saying truth is the correspondence of knowledge to the matter, is the common consensus, you know? This power dynamic is our cognitive positioning from one to the other, from when we try to rationalize our situations and try and have a third-person voice in my head, in your head, as if there weren't already enough, you know? However, with political realities being as grave as they are right now, we can obviously argue to that positioning. If, and in agreement actually, anything is but stable actually, then so would their processes be. More so, being unstable, they can be manipulated, changed, and persuaded through narrative and through perception. Material truth always signifies the agreement of something at hand with a rational concept of its essence. One cannot argue that a carrot is not a vegetable. However, if we follow the narrative of vegetables, then it would not make sense to use them in sweet stuff. However, we have carrot cake and it's amazing. As if that wasn't confusing enough, a tomato is a fucking fruit. The impression arises that this definition of the essence of truth is independent from the essence of the being of all beings. It withdraws from a substantial individual actuality in order to restore peace and create an agreement. This agreement always includes a corresponding interpretation of the essence of human as the bearer and executor of intellect. This intellect is actually what allows us to coexist both within the narrative and the discourse, and in this way, creating a formula for the essence of truth 
coming to have its general validity as something that is immediately evident to everyone. Truth is immediately evident in front of us. Moreover, right, we ourselves remain within the sensibleness of common sense to the extent that we suppose ourselves to be secure in those truths of practical experience and action, of research, of composition, and of belief. Only to have actually a pat on the back when we share it with other people and we are in agreement. We all want to belong, and we all want to feel understood, heard, and human. That's why we belong in communities. We're inherently social beings. However, what happens when we create a questionability around that common sense? What happens when we start questioning where we belong and what we are? It is not common sense to hate on someone because they look different than you. Nor is it common sense to hate on someone because of their different gender expression. Yet, my loves... We will find ourselves, again, my friends, somehow caught within the fucking subjectivity of a homophobic asshole and then making another fucking obligation to have to deal with that. But I say no. I say we take our own perception and our own subjectivity for what it is, subjective and able to manipulate. And that is actually where Renee comes in with her art. But before we continue with the, with the interview, let's go into Brain by Jungle Brothers. by the Jungle Brothers. Hey, girl, hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. A little bit tired, but excited to be here. Actually, wait, I didn't give you a proper quintessentially queer welcome. So, my lovely people, welcome to Quintessentially Queer. Hey, love. <laughs> What's up? I'm good, girl. It's been a fucking whirlwind. I've been so fucking busy now before coming back to Cyprus. It's been a lot. You know, yeah. you know we've talked a little bit before. You sound hectic all the time. Oh, baby. Thanks for 
inviting me to do this and making space and time for it. Babe, thank you for coming, please. Uh, but I'm a very gourmet chaotic bottom. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> How are you? You're in Cyprus right now, right? Yeah, I am. I got back last week. I've been quarantining for a week just to be um, safe. I did test. I got negative. Oh, work, bitch. Yeah, I'm getting tested like on Sunday as yeah. well. So it's like, damn. Uh, but yeah. you were in Brighton before, right? I was, yeah, I was, I spent, I literally, I moved to Brighton in January and after two months, the lockdown happened and oh. I just came back. So I went entirely just to lockdown. Oh, it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah, fuck. How was, um, how, how was it there? I know that they, that England wasn't really taking it seriously, was it? Honestly, it was kind of ridiculous. It was a joke. Like, because I lived right by Brighton Beach. Mm -hmm. The beach was full every day. When there was a heat wave, it was full of people. Like, you couldn't see the floor. Really? And then when everyone left, there was a sea of trash. Like, yeah. not just a bit of trash. Like, every other pebble on the beach was a cigarette bud and can. Disposable barbecues. Like, random shit. Like, crazy. Oh, girl. Mm. Yeah, I mean... Honestly, here people t didn't take it that seriously either, to be quite honest. Like, the parks were, like, full. Honestly, though. But it's like, I don't, you know. Anyway, I, I can't complain. Like, really, it was so fucking intense in Cyprus. So, in retrospect, I guess it was, like, a bit, like, more chill for me being here. Regardless mm -hmm. of whether it was, like, a bit more dangerous, you know. Mm -hmm. But, fuck Corona. We're not here to talk about her. We're here to talk about you. So... Uh, for those that don't know, Renee, she's an artist from Cyprus who you can follow on Instagram under Misrusu Art, is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. it's Misrusu. Uh, my name might change soon. I do have to make it a point. I have preferred pronouns. Okay, they, work. They, them, Just okay. To, mm -hmm. Just to let you know. So I know it says Misrusu, but it's been Misrusu since I was 13. <laughs> I haven't changed it. No, I love that. I love that. And thank you for clarifying. But actually, like, I'm, it's probably going to come out as well. Like, just calling you girl or like bitch or like queen. You know what I mean? That just comes with the language. It's I'm not okay. A, I just want to make it a point. But thank you. Thank you for clarifying. And this is what should be happening, actually. Like, who was it? Was it Gandhi? Was it Buddha or some shit that they said that do unto others as others would do unto you? And I say, fuck that mm -hmm. shit, because, like, you're not the meter of comparison, babe. What you should do is actually ask people how they want to be treated, and then treat them accordingly. And that includes, like, pronouns as well, you know what I mean? I do believe in be what you want to receive. And in that being said, I would like to be as kind and as compassionate and as inclusive as I can. So, because I want that for myself. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I take, like, do unto others what you want done to you. Kind yeah. Of. I mean, obviously, it's all in empathy, yeah. but kind of like, you know what I mean? I, this this excuse of like, oh my God, it's so difficult. I'm like, it's a word. It's not that yeah. difficult. You know what I mean? It's not. Anyway, uh -huh. it's not. so tell me a little bit about your art. How did, you, how did you get into like painting and drawing? Do you have any like specific inspirations? Did it start from a very early age? I haven't known you for that long now. It's been like, what, um, four years maybe? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, and all like, I mean, as far as I can remember, you, you've always been like an artistic soul and have this like artistic way of like carrying yourself. So how did that come to be? Well, I've been drawing since I was very, very young. My, my first memory of like acknowledging that I wanted to be an artist, I was like, I must have been six. And my dad went, 
you draw a lot, Renee. And I went, huh, yeah. And it just kind of stayed in my brain. Um, I've always enjoyed just drawing in my spare time. Like, I fucked up school because I was just drawing in class all day, getting kicked out of classes for covering my books in drawings and stuff. Um, but I always kept it as like a, a kind of a side note. Like, I was trying to have a, a normal life. I was going mm-hmm. to be a hairdresser and blah, blah, blah. follow my default setting to be this perfect, I don't know, woman yeah. for my family. So art kind of got pushed to the side, but I always kind of kept it there. Uh, and that being said, I didn't necessarily have any influences because I didn't give myself enough acknowledgement as the artist that I wanted to be. I didn't pursue it. I didn't look into it too much. So I just kind of, I kept it in my diaries, in my personal stuff. Uh, and my influences made uh, they mainly stemmed from my own pain. It's my diary. Like, if you look at my exhibition work now, I just expand off of my diary. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily like to stain my brain with too much influence because I want it to be as authentic as it can be coming from me because mm-hmm. it's my perception of my reality. Um, and I, if I'm going to say that I get inspired by something, I guess I get inspired by communication and conversation. Uh, and meeting random people and listening to other people's perceptions of things and they're trying to hear for a genuine connection between me and the other person. Nice. That inspires me. My art changes day in, day out, depending on my mood, because it is diary entries and they're different every day. So having different conversations with different people every day is my main source of inspiration. Nice. That's amazing. And actually... I can totally see that for you because uh, we worked, well, we didn't work together, but like um, I I asked you to make a painting for me, like for my mm-hmm. house, which, oh, girl, like I'm like so happy that I actually made the choice, to be honest, to you to make that painting is like perfect, like really. And the way we kind of like work with the back and forth that we had was actually quite organic. I didn't even have to, I didn't even have to explain that much besides the colors and like okay the feeling but then you got it and we were like yes queen work that's the way it goes you know and it's, it's really, really funny nice. you know yeah yeah, yeah. And, and it's really funny that you say uh, uh about conversation and kind of like um this back and forth because um that's actually like i i wouldn't really spot it in your work actually primarily because uh, i feel that there's like a very high element of like a personal narrative in your work and kind of like everydayness and kind of like self-dialogue. But yeah. I can see how this kind of like split, let's say, between outside and inside would influence that and does influence that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How did that... Um, so the diary, how did it start? Um, basically, I'm asking what your creative process is, which I know is a very boring question. But what I'm trying to say is like... How long have you been doing art for now? It's been like a while. Uh, so did you start off as come like, oh, okay, I'm going to do paintings. And you're like, you know what? I don't like this. I'm going to do the diary. Or did it kind of like start as like, um, oh, I need to express myself, like writing down my thoughts and then kind of like the drawing like took over. Mm. Well, there's a lot of influences that caused me to be the way I am now. Like, for example... I dropped out of school when I was 16 and I tried to give art college a go uh, for a while, like a foundation course. And I would always draw these kind of 
genderless beings, like these faces. I would write about inner saboteurs and how I sabotage my reality and stuff. And I got penalized by every teacher I had for drawing the same thing all the time Mm -hmm. and for not having too many external influences. And because I was quite angsty and angry, like whenever someone would say that to me, I would further push away from trying to change from that. And by Mm -hmm. doing so, I kept narrowing myself back down to the diary work. Um, The diaries in particular... I'm going to get a little dark um, and personal, but whatever, vulnerability is my thing. Uh, It started off actually as an eating disorder journal where I would document all my my food intakes and things like this. Uh, And then even that started to become more creative, less words. And during my recovery, I... I just kept the diaries going and they just mutated into something else. I stopped writing completely. I started doing diary entries that were completely just visual, uh, documenting my emotional timeline. So if I look back into my past, I have a pinpointed timeline of my emotional development. And that's probably why you notice such of a, an intimate personal thing with my narrative specifically, because it's literally just my recovery process, which then mutated into just my everyday once I got better. That's kind of uh, thing. that's amazing. Uh, that, that's very empowering, and I'm very proud of you. And thank you so much for sharing. Um, thank you. But that's that's why I love art. I mean, performance for me, because mm-hmm. it really is like a healing experience. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Personally, I, I I use writing actually to heal. Uh, mm-hmm. I. I I actually just got back into writing in this more like intimate way. Cause to be quite honest, like, um, I mean, yeah, so I'm doing the masters in cultural analysis, right? So if you're kind of like within an academic setting that makes you read all the time and makes you write, you don't really feel like writing, you know what I mean? And I guess yeah. that translates with art too. Uh, but now that's like summer, I actually started writing again on my, in my diary and I was like, oh, this feels so nice, you know? Quite. Uh, but it's um, this personal narrative, right? Um, has also this kind of like darkness within your work with I think which I personally think is like beautiful you know what I mean because it is it's very empowering and it shows this kind of like hybrid um, humanoid I guess uh, (laughs) beings I don't even know how to call them genderless experiences you know that are partly so natural because they're inspired from the everyday and the mundane and this kind of like not simple struggles, because uh, mm-hmm. obviously they're not simple because they're very existential, but expressed in a very, like I'm talking to myself type of way, so I don't need the kind of like extra bougie academic uh, dialogue, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, but also it's super natural because they are who they are, which is this kind of like, I don't know, thing with like two heads and like <laughs> four tits and just like six cigarettes in their toes, you know? How did, yeah. how, how did, where did that come out of? Like, I've literally never seen anything like that, to be quite honest. The only two people I've seen that in, kind of, is like you and Fisea. I don't know if you've seen his, like, oh, earlier yeah. work. You know what I mean? Which I love because this darkness resonates within me so much. So how did you, how were you led to these, like, um, figures? Do you have a name for them in the beginning, first of all, to start? Not necessarily. I don't have a name for name for them at all. I, I swap between styles depending on my mood and where my mentalities are. But the actual figures that you're talking about with the distorted body parts, 
and things. I think they stem from my experience with body dysphoria and body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. Um, because having an eating disorder, you will most likely in most cases experience a lot of it. But after I recovered, like, like five years on, I was still experiencing body dysphoria and I couldn't understand why. And it was to do with my gender expression mm-hmm. and how yes. I'd spent so long trying to conform to this perfect woman. Preach, bitch. Um, but at the same time, growing up as a child, I really, I tried to, I started to try and subconsciously learn like masculine traits, like what a boy does. I went through a phase of being obsessed with bodybuilding and like pumping myself up and being hench. Mm-hmm. And then I like smack back to being super feminine and super girly and becoming a makeup artist and getting involved in the beauty industry and hair and stuff. And I started internally compartmentalizing myself like in sections mm-hmm. and I would have different friend groups that would only know a specific version of me. Yeah. And I couldn't stop doing that. I couldn't stop segmenting myself. Uh, and so when I go back to my artwork and my diaries, it's where I kept myself safe, my true identity safe in this little timeline. Like I was doing all my bullshit, trying to conform, whatever, but I still had my diary, which is where I lived kind of. Yes. So yes. All these little body parts and stuff was just me like writing how I actually felt and wasn't telling anyone because no one genuinely knew who I was. And I was experiencing all the experiencing all this warpedness in between all the groups Mm -hmm. like I would bounce from feminine and masculine and this type of person and those types of people and it just left this like mashup of human Mm -hmm. in my Mm -hmm. brain Uh, drawing it was my outlet for it in all honesty nice that is that is beautiful and like I think there's a lot of people that can kind of like um resonate and see themselves in what you're saying myself included actually um Mm -hmm. i don't know whether you want to call it like gender dysphoria i mean for me or more kind of like masculine dysphoria you know (laughs) because i look the way that i do um but then like that that's not who i am you know but then i'm also not feminine because i don't want to be one thing you know what i mean And uh, growing up in Cyprus, you know what it's like, like being in the closet. I thought my whole life would be in a specific way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And actually uh, going in a very dark place in the army um, and then getting out of it made me realize like, holy shit, man, there's so much great things around you and inside you. So you should kind of like just mash up the two. You know what I mean? Instead of being split within this kind of like back and forth and having like different types of friends that you're different people with, like you know, that you're a different person with, like I Exhaust. exhausting. I don't have like, for example, let's say like party friends and like normal friends. I mean, yeah, obviously I do uh, people that I party more with, but kind of like, if I don't want to hang out with you when I'm not partying, then I probably won't want to party with you and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, I always say that I'm a bit of like a sociopath because I divide myself in three. Uh, there's like, George, who mm-hmm. is this, uh, I don't know, like eloquent, like super social bitch, like goes from like English to Greek, like blah, 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 you know what I mean? That gets along with everyone. Then there's like Yorgos, that's just kind of like a bit more chill and actually has like zero fucks besides himself. And I'm just kind of like, oh, 
girl, I just want to like live my best life, be nice to people, super, you know what I mean? The Cypriot, mm -hmm. I guess, more like low tempo. And then there's like rallies, there's like a fucking whirlwind that is just like everywhere that just gets even too fast for me. Uh, and it's like, it really is dichotomizing, you know? And that's why I personally also see myself a lot in your art. And actually, that's why I wanted you to do the painting uh, for my house. And that actually, <laughs> a babe, of course. <laughs> and actually, you know what the fucked up thing is? Like, <laughs> so like my mom walked in and she's like, oh, it's very pretty. What is it? And I'm like, it's a bunch of women having sex, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, like, of course it is. And I'm like, bitch, what did you expect? <laughs> you uh -huh. know? Um, but it's very... It's very interesting what you're saying. This split between the two of uh, the worlds around us, basically. It's what I said before in my intro, actually. And I talked about this briefly. And not briefly, actually. I went a little bit more into narrative and discourse with uh, Paulina. Um, mm -hmm. But like I say before that we kind of like try to make complete sense of the world around us. And if we do that, we can't actually. We wouldn't really be human. Nor mm -hmm. would we have like need for any other mental stimuli yeah you know and uh it's very interesting that um you do include this everydayness in your uh, art and you do use this kind of like i don't know inner demons i guess or whatever you want to call it to push out this um uh, agenda it's not an agenda i lack of a better vocabulary right now but this sensation anyway that a lot mm -hmm. of people can have um implemented within them you know what i mean yes. that it's 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 figures that cannot really decipher the world and you actually catch them in the exact moment of splitting between themselves and the outside which i think is super mm -hmm. nice but it's also in a personal That's way been. i used to be confused when i was younger and i was like there's something wrong with me i feel like i'm I'm in the space between here and here and I'm like existing in the middle and it's so lonely. But then you realize once you start accepting the fact that you can be here and here and you can have this and have that, that there's more people in those spaces in between and that's where your family's at, you know? Yes. That's where you can find you can find some self love yep. in this world. That's it, girl. It's um I'm talking about objection actually in a previous podcast, but um it, Krista was talking a lot of objection, but anyway, I'm not going to get into it. But it's kind of like realizing yourself as being a subject in society. That's how we're conditioned into being, you know what I mean? We are mm -hmm. always kind of like thought, we're, we're made to think that our truth and our experience is just what it is. So we are always made to think that we are the creators of everything around us because we are the subjects. But then... Mm -hmm. When we object ourselves, we see ourselves as also an object, that we are this tiny speckle within what society is or what the world is or what narrative or discourse is. And then we kind of like see ourselves outside of ourselves and we're like, holy shit, I thought that I was the one. And then you realize that there's a lot of ones around that want to be felt mm -hmm. and want to be heard, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, you have this in your Instagram, you say that sometimes you feel like you're being stretched apart And because you can't feel it analytically, you just allow yourself to feel, which I think is beautiful, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Thank uh, you. It's Heidegger. Um, uh, he says that, that we're basically humans when we realize that we're all submerged at the same moment in the lack of forgetfulness. And I think you're capturing exactly that moment, you know? I loved what you said at the beginning and that you brought this, um, that what you spoke about before we, we started speaking now. Um, I feel like 
what you said, I learned to understand that through my artwork as well, and going back to the whole mundane pain that you see mm -hmm. in my artwork every day, uh, and stimuluses. Mm -hmm. I got to a point, particularly my eating disorder taught me this, like if you notice in some of my artworks, you'll find like a small sandwich in the corner of a drawing or something, <laughs> it won't be filled in. Uh, and that's my stimulus, because these everyday things like food that people don't even bat an eyelid at, I have a whole thing going on inside of me where it's stimulating me. It's stimulating my identity. It's stimulating how my identity has been squished. It's stimulating my pain. It's triggering my past. Like, But these little things are just bullshit to other people, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it, it taught me what you were speaking about before, about being subjective and understanding your reaction, um, the reaction to you in the world mm -hmm. and like that, those two places. Sorry, I can't explain myself probably, but yeah. Ah, oh, babe, it's okay. And actually, th the fact that we're doing this like online through a laptop makes it so much more difficult. And I've realized this like every time that I do this, because kind of like, if you're in real life next to the microphone, you have a different dynamic to it. You know what I mean? But like, before yeah. we get a little bit more into the everydayness, Let's get into another song. Let's go to... Um, which one should we do? Oh, If You Wouldn't Mind by Second Exit. I really loved that one. Mm -hmm. It was really nice. But for now... I'll just go, you know, just be off. Well, wish I could be off, but, you know, been sitting here for like for four minutes now. Yeah. Hello Jubilee Lion, how's your day? You're ruining mine. I thought you were a newer design. A couple stops back, you were just fine. So fix up if you wouldn't mind. I mean if you wouldn't mind. There's a party and my friends wanna go. They all know I'm never involved. They all think I'm negative though But if I come you'd wish you left me at home I'm cool, I just can't take people to shout Like what are you screaming about? You're holding hands, do you need to be loud? See this is why I hate leaving the house I'm on the train now and this is what I'm talking about This old man snoring of course And now I bet he's dreaming of a mortgage Okay, so that was If You Wouldn't Mind by Second Exit so let's get back into the everydayness, girl. Uh, have you ever uh, read Nausea by Jean-Paul Sartre? No, I have not. Oh my God, babe, you really fucking should. I can send you a video actually that I uh, filmed as well with Anastasia about it. And it's mm -hmm. just basically, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rogantan? Uh, whatever. It's basically like the narrator slash hero of the thing. And um, he's so caught up in everyday existence that he thinks about everything so much so it's like existentialism on steroids that he gets mm -hmm. so like caught up in that thought that he feels nauseating basically so he kind of like throws up and that happens a yeah. lot of times in the book and actually uh i think this is very kind of like your brand you know what i mean as well yeah. <laughs> which i myself I th i'm like such an overthinker you know what i mean and sometimes I just feel like I'm like, I can't breathe from all the thoughts. I swap between, uh, I feel like being able to dissociate myself from reality and like have mm -hmm. all these versions of myself 
yeah, it makes me like overthink and saturate my brain with thought. But because I dissociate so much in that way, sometimes it just goes to complete nothingness and the saturation just kind of goes elsewhere as well. So you're stuck between two polar opposites as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, grow it's all about finding the balance finding the zen <laughs> you know and yeah that's send it to me i'd love to yes yes but it's this like everydayness right i think there's like a very big power in that um we talked about this in the previous podcast too but i feel that kind of like there's so many artists that try so hard to be like contemporary you know what i mean and try uh-huh. to come up with those like elusive like la la and i mean yeah obviously now i gave kind of like a super philosophical background to your art because that's just what i do that's my interest you get what i'm saying I'm, yeah <laughs> but however it's like that's my interest and that's why i try to do this in case someone else might feel the same way or they want to kind of like get in a bit in my brain and kind of, anyway bitch is my podcast i do what i want But what I'm saying is that like your art speaks on like a very genuine level that doesn't need all this shit to be understood or be felt. And that to me is what good art should be doing. You hear what I'm saying? It should push the questions more so rather than just kind of like the answers, you know? Because that's the only way you grow. I felt that anxiety around wanting to be like specifically a contemporary artist or to like try and make my work more presentable in some kind of way because a lot of people disagreed with it or Mm -hmm. didn't think it was pretty enough and bullshit like that. And it is a lot to do with being in Cyprus as well because I don't know. Like, come on, I'm drawing giant naked things, (laughs) pussy, like warped body parts titties coming out of faces like it's not (laughs) it's not exactly everyone's cup of tea here and i really felt that anxiety about wanting to make my artwork look more like i'm an artist yeah you know a correct artist um i had another point thank you for the segue because that's what i was getting at actually i wanted to ask you about your exhibition in Cyprus, mm-hmm. you had a solo exhibition recently, right? It's been like a couple of yeah. months ago. Yeah. December, December. December, yeah. Talk, talk to me a little bit about that. I wasn't in fucking Cyprus when it was happening. So sad. But um, what were the struggles and like motivations for doing that? Like, did you face any difficulties? How was the reception? Well, at the time, I was quitting hairdressing because I was I was really realizing that I can't keep detouring from myself to mm-hmm. try and conform. I was really... I don't know because it's a. I work for a family business as well. My parents have a hair salon. It's really hard to like try and separate yourself, and especially when they don't understand art. And they're not bad people. They just don't understand art. Yeah. It was a. It was a difficult time. I was really trying to like pull away, and that's why I moved to Brighton for a while with my girlfriend because we just needed to get out of Cyprus for a minute. I literally just had to run away from yeah, all yeah. the toxic that I built, like the constructed life I built. Um, and the exhibition was like my little send off for myself. I was like, I had 50 euros left in my pocket. I was broke as shit. That was enough for the deposit on the space. I put it, I was like, I'm doing an exhibition before I go just to say that I fucking done one for myself. And that's when I started to really embrace this whole pain narrative timeline that I was talking about before and making it what I wanted my exhibition to be. Mm-hmm. That was my that was my motivation for doing it. Um, 
the reception was well like it went really well like i got way more support than i ever thought i would have like so many people showed up and had such wonderful opinions on the artwork they were seeing it would kind of blew me away nice. apart from it's a government building where i held my exhibition i overheard like i heard through someone who knows the lady that um coordinates the space mm-hmm. she was like um Ma, she had naked women everywhere. Maybe she's gay. <laughs> and they all had cigarettes in their hand. Maybe she's on drugs. And I was like, how is this lady in charge of a cultural creative building? Oh, my God. Girl, preach. <laughs> like, who gave her the job? Why is she hired? Like, yeah. she can see things. That's the only thing I really faced. And a bunch of, like, people that come to came to my exhibition or see my artwork, and they're like, Oh, do you like pussy? I like pussy too. You get a lot of those. Like, wow, deep. Are you oh gonna buy any? Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> preach! It's this. Oh, the fucking artistic field in Cyprus is just well everywhere actually, but in Cyprus it's like really extreme. It's occupied mm. by these fucking dinosaurs, and I'm like, why are you still there? <laughs> like genuinely though, like what the fuck new do you bring to the table, babes? Maybe you should kind of, like, leave the space for, like, a new voice, you know? Mm-hmm. But you also did a workshop, from what I know, right? Yeah, I, I held a space zone. They were called Space Zone. They were basically um, live drawing workshops. Mm-hmm. But where we would draw the model. It was a nude live drawing workshop. The model would volunteer. We would speak to the model first, and I would get everyone in the group to ask questions to the model. We do typical live drawing where, you know, it's just like two minute poses, 10 minute poses. And then we would have a break. And then after the break, I would guide the group through a meditation, taking them into their heart space, like making the energy more abstract. Nice. Um, like, and then I would tell people to draw the model again after asking all those questions, but through their perception of the model. Uh, so you got crazy abstract drawings, different colors going on. I told people to bring their own supplies so that they could really use their own hands and what their hands like to use. And it was mainly for artists like me that aren't necessarily realism. Like they're not into realism. They're more into perception. I wanted to like try and show the power of perception and vulnerability. Um, and it was, it was set up to try and generate a fund so that I could, Uh, host an exhibition and give it to give a platform to young queer artists that aren't allowed to be artists because I know so many kids that are um, they're not allowed to pursue their creativity Um, so I was trying to do that but it was it was a bit off more than I could chew Mm -hmm. like I couldn't afford to do it so much and I started to have my own internal personal problems and Mm -hmm. I don't know I'm going to try and restart them again now that I'm back in Cyprus and a bit more my head screwed on in the right place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's what they were for, essentially. And to also try and create another safe space for queer kids because I didn't necessarily put queer everywhere in the title, but it was for queer kids to be able to have a safe space that was not just fueled by a party culture. Yeah, yep, yep. There's a whole like generation of kids that are now like coming into themselves and they're like 12 13 going towards a party life shouldn't be the first thing you see you know because you're like a sponge when you're that age it's not fair you're like 
I felt like I had a bit of an obligation to try and at least plant that seed. Oh, oh that is beautiful. <laughs> um, Thanks. Babe, honestly, though, that's the trouble. No, that's the like tragedy of being from Cyprus, actually, because genuinely, though, the best artist and the most like hardworking artists that I know. And I mean, I've lived uh, like around the UK and like now Amsterdam uh, for a while and anyway, whatever. I mean, I've been around the block, like I've met a lot of people, but like the most hardworking and the most inspiring ones and the most political ones and the more like just spirited ones that I've met are Cypriot. But it's such a fucking shame that we live in a country that genuinely pushes its creatives away simply because it doesn't have the infrastructures to support them or even kind of like the mental capacity to appreciate them, which is so fucking sad because we do need people like you and we do need people of this nature in Cyprus, you know what I mean? But it, we're all genuinely made to be good to just go away. It's mm -hmm. fucked up. How, 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 is the, how is it in your, um, I don't know, how is the Cypriot reality for an artist of your, of, in your perspective at least, like the experience, you know? You say, um, at some point, um, I'm all about giving body parts to my feelings. You talk about embodiment. Here's me feeling my past. Now I have the power. I have my power away. And how fucking stubborn I am. So is this kind of like element of like body dysmorphia that you were, we were talking about before? But bringing uh, um, color into it, you know, and I think that kind of like goes hand in hand with the Cypriot discourse. So how has your experience been? It yeah, it definitely goes hand in hand for sure. Um, growing up here as a Cypriot artist made my art what it is today. So some part of me is, I don't want to say thankful, but thankful mm -hmm. for my for my experience, because if I didn't face such a contrast on my external reality, I wouldn't have had my diaries. I wouldn't have had like this thing to go from. And honestly, it was my saving grace that kept me alive. Like I was, yes, I was encapsulating myself everywhere else, but I kept myself safe in this book and I have all those prejudices mm -hmm. to thank for that. Um, what do I want? That's all I have to say, you know, like full stop. I've learned so much to dissociate from all the bullshit that you see because yeah. Cyprus is very binary mm -hmm. and traditional and based and like this big. So everyone knows everyone. Yeah. It's taught me to dissociate from myself and do that whole separation thing. But also now I have the power of dissociating. I can dissociate from all that ignorance. I, it doesn't affect me as mm -hmm. much anymore. It's given me that as well. I just, I try and find things that I can be thankful for. Otherwise, I feel like personally, I would have nothing to go off. I need to find, you know, yeah. I, I, find, I find myself in compassion. Yeah, girl, preach. Like, honestly, though, that's what I always see as well. That, like, I don't, I think mm, it's this implemented level of privilege, right? That we genuinely don't have in Cyprus <laughs> at all in terms of artistic expression, I mean. So because uh, you kind of like, nor sexual expression for that matter. Um, yeah. But because you don't have that freedom, you actually do push yourself artistically to discover more stuff, find more stuff, block out more people. It's like a very sad uh, effort to power 
which is very powerful, yes, so it's very empowering and very brave, but it's also very sad that it's un- done under these circumstances, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it's the sexual discourse, I feel, that generally really fucks up things in Cyprus so bad, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why I appreciate what you do so much, because there's this kind of, like, high level of, like, explicitness and sexual energy, but then also this, like, big... Um, it's, a, it's a combination of, like, scary, dark unapologetic and feminist <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i think that stems from my experience as a very young kid when i first moved here i was 10 mm-hmm. uh, where I are was you from originally uh, i was born in liverpool oh right okay I didn't know uh, my, my dad's cypriot okay um younger i had such um I got so much of the wrong attention from a young age because I was a very curvaceous person. Like I had titties at 12, like big, <laughs> big curves. And I didn't identify with it. And also back then it was like, you have to be stick thin, you know, yeah. it was, it was a trend and all that attention of being hypersexualized by older men because older men preferred the, you know, mm-hmm. curve. Um, it presents itself in my artwork today because I didn't realize how scared and terrified I was at such a young age being sexualized in such a manner. And that's why I think there's so much of a explicit sexual energy in my work now, but it's also kind of dark and scary. Um, Cause I, like I said before, it is a timeline. It's from the past. Um, Dark and scary, though, when I look at my work, I don't necessarily see dark and scary because the only way I would be able to talk about that time is if I'm okay right now. Mm-hmm. So I know it's, it's, it's my happiness. It's my power. It's where I find my power. I look, if I'm able to look back with clarity and explain my pain, then I'm okay right now, you know. When I say dark uh, and scary, yeah. what, I, what I mean is that kind of like, there, in a lot of your like uh, drawings, for example, the... Um, the figures kind of like have like all white eyes or you know what i mean it's like a leg over a hand and then like holding a cigarette that's what i mean by scared i mean scared in terms of actually the the the, the quotes or kind of like the the way it's being done is very honest so it's mm-hmm. not scary itself it's just i don't know it's um eerie i would say yeah you know well, what i'm saying it was eerie to look back at, you know, because I wasn't absent. I think that's why a lot of the eyeballs are missing as well, because mm-hmm. I wasn't there. I wasn't seeing. I wasn't present. And it, I, um, if you look, when I leave eyeballs um, without the mm-hmm. eye, the iris, I usually color them in yellow. Mm-hmm. And that rep- I, re- I associate light with yellow. Like, whenever you see yellow, that's, that's a little bit of Renee's spark, a little bit of my happiness, you know. Um, I put it in the absent eyes because I was absent then, but it taught me so much that I can now say and that I can put in my exhibitions now. So that's why the eyeballs are kind of (laughs) absent. Nice. That is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I like colors. I like giving colors meaning. It's fun. (laughs) So, unfortunately, we're getting towards the end of our interview. But before we actually close off, do you have any future goals or plans in mind uh, any aspirations any upcoming projects anything you'd like to share with us well right now i definitely want to do a few more exhibitions mm-hmm. i'm going to collaborate with a friend hopefully i'm going to meet her later today 
to talk about doing an exhibition together. Her name's Shileka, Yorgia. Oh um, my God, I love Yorgia. I love Yorgia too. She's my drawing buddy. She like, lives are, She lives in The Hague, like here in the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, nice. Yeah, um, I want to collaborate with her because I just, I resonate with her on such an, a deep level. I don't even know what it is. We're just like in a little drawing bubble together. I don't know what it is. Um, Symbiosis. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely want to do some exhibitions and eventually I want to own my own space that's full of various art equipments and things and just kind of have it as a, a rent as you go, as you need space for people to use art equipment that they usually can't afford. Yeah, just to have that as like myself so I can just chill, do my shit all day, be left alone to draw, <laughs> do what I want to do, whilst people just pay me to use my shit. And <laughs> <laughs> I that. that is amazing. Uh, I wish, all the, I wish that for you with all my heart. Thank you. I hope it comes true. So before we close off, thank you so much, baby, for doing uh, me the favor to come on the show. And you can follow Renee on Instagram under Ms. Rousseauart for now. And do you have a Facebook page as well? No, not at the moment. I'm going to set up some of that jazz soon. Instagram works. Instagram only right now. So I will leave you uh, with um, a quote by Renee uh, <laughs> under one of their drawings that says, the hands are love. Let love do your dirty work. <laughs> uh, I saw that and I was like, oh my God, yes, talk dirty to me. You know? <laughs> so uh. this is our goodbye. Thank you for tuning in another episode of Quintessentially Queer. Yes. And uh, we will close off with Shadows of Tomorrow by mm. Mad Villain and Quasimoto, is it? Yeah. I think yep. so. Awesome. Okay. Kisses, everyone. See you very soon. Today is the shadow of tomorrow. Today is the present future of yesterday. Yesterday is the shadow of today. The darkness of the past is yesterday. And the light of the past is yesterday. The days of yesterday are all numbered and some. And the word once. Because once upon a time there was a yesterday. Yesterday belongs to the dead. Because the dead belongs to the past. The past is yesterday. Today is the preview of tomorrow. But for me, only from a better and happier point of view. My point of view is a thought of a better a try Reality, yesterday is eternity The eternity of yesterday is dead Yesterday is as one The eternity of one is the eternity of the past The past is once upon a time Once upon a time is past The past is yesterday Today The past is yesterday Today Today Why we're searching for tomorrow The music is different here The vibrations are different Not like Planet Earth Planet Earth sound of God Anger, frustration. There was no one to talk to.